Hey everybody and welcome to Sunny16. Uh, we will be one of your analog photography podcasts for this week. Hopefully the one. Hopefully the one. Although it's a highly competitive market these days and, and fair play to everybody who's out there. You are listening to Aid. I will be one of your hosts for tonight and this is show number 173. So, you know, we've been doing this for a while. You'd think we'd be better at it by now, but yeah, pff, whatever. Anyway, Graham, how you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you, Aid. We had an email last week from somebody who'd been listening to our back catalogue uh, at 1.5 speed so he can get through it in a reasonable time and he said it's quite jarring when he got to the most recent episode and listened to it at normal speed and we sounded either a bit drunk or just plain tired and I think when he comes to the beginning of this issue he's going to be trying to figure out which one of the two you are this week drunk, tired or a little bit of a column A and column B (laughs) Well, given that the thing I have in my big mug beside me is a cup of tea today then let's let's let the listeners make their own decisions, (laughs) shall we? enriched tea maybe uh no sadly not no no it's it is merely a cup of tea oh sad face anyway why don't you introduce our special guest for this week yeah we've got a returning favorite coming back to the show this week to join us for a run because no rage this week she's still off having a good time up in the lake district so we've drafted in the wonderful david allen to come and chat to us not about some of our uh, more esoteric ideas that don't involve standing in one place for four hours for the day and tonight photography. Dave, welcome back to the show. Hey, yes, thanks. Yeah, I'm the resident super lazy expert. <laughs> well, we figured, you know, Dave, I mean... If you're lazy, come on in, help us be lazy. Yeah, exactly. We figured, you know, like, what, what aspects of it? I mean, you could do double exposures. Well, you know double exposures. You certainly know about taking pictures in the dark. You have some experience with that. We thought, you know, you could maybe offer some insight into this. I'll do my best, but like I don't have tea. I just I just have whiskey. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, you're an hour ahead though, so that's allowed. <laughs> it's true. Assuming you're at home, that is anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm an hour ahead. I'm at home. I think I am. <laughs> yeah, they they speak French where you live. Uh, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just have a look out the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see people speaking French. Yeah, it's the speech <laughs> bubbles above their heads that gives it away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway okay so well there we go that sets the tone for this evening doesn't it it's yeah it's going to be a, it's going to be a show to relax into i think it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah that's it that's true so listen so we're quite well into this assignment thing now we know we've and we've had quite a lot of chats we about are? it <laughs> uh, and, okay. and i'm looking Can really qualify I'm that for hearing how far you are into it Aid. but you know we've all had time to think about this and i know when you came on back in paper a few weeks ago dave you were like oh i've got some ideas and aid yeah. uh, to be honest aid's probably already done his assignment so i'm looking forward to hearing how that's all going um but you know we, we're getting to the point where we actually rubber needs to start meeting road for what we're doing. Um, so, I mean, how, how, Aid, how are you doing with the idea? Have you got a plan for what you're going to do yet? Uh, I, I have I have some ideas, but I have not really had the opportunity to act upon them. So the, the ideas, and we, we've discussed this already, but I'll, a brief recap for people who weren't listening two shows or so ago. Uh, I, my, my idea is to do some cityscape type work uh, in London where I work three days a week uh, and, uh, and do that on Instax film. Um, so uh, the ideas are there what I've not had yet due to pressure of life is opportunity to execute so I I know the what I even found my little lomography splitzer 
Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. What's the little thing that allows you to Splinter, only expose? Yeah. yeah, expose part of the image. <clears throat> so I even found that too. So I've got, I've assembled my toolkit, and I've got some ideas, and I have absolutely not started on the execution yet. Hmm. I mean, I would imagine that as the clock ticks on, and as every evening draws in closer and closer, this is going to get harder and harder for you to do if you don't get on with it, because you're you're going to be going home in the dark, aren't you? Very soon yeah yeah so although of course in two weeks the clocks change as well um but at the moment actually it's not it's not bad actually because what i really want is this all to be kicking off around five o'clock so i can do it at the end of my work day but not have to stay in town too late (laughs) so so there yeah that that's that's where i'm aiming for yeah sort of five six o'clock ish um uh, and see and of course the closer you get to midwinter as well the quicker the transition which you know, because I'm not shooting a time lapse, um, yeah, actually a quicker transition is good because I don't have to stand still in the cold for so long. <laughs> so, the other thing is, is the weather's been terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and yeah, I, I know because you, you and I were messaging about this <laughs> yesterday, but the weather has been absolutely atrocious. And so it's not, it's not a, it's not, a, and it's been wet and it's been very overcast. And so there hasn't been the kind of light that I want to capture. So there is going to be an element of that about it as well, mm. which is that I've got to I've got to make, wait for you know all the stars to align, where I've got a bit of time and I've got uh, weather that matches and 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 so on and so on. <laughs> ah, okay, I'm really hoping there's a plan B somewhere in there as well. Um, no, wait, what, why would I need one of those? Well, because what if all of those <laughs> things don't align? On the slim charts, the British weather does not play ball. <laughs> what then? I, I don't know. So it's just that there genuinely isn't a plan B. So I'm not. So there's no point in asking the question a different way just because you didn't like the answer the first time around. Uh, okay. What if? <laughs> if I get, well, hopefully, maybe by the end of this evening, maybe we'll feel inspired with multiple ideas. Because I kind of got an idea about what I want to do. But before that, um, Dave, when you. I'll, were... I'll call up the classic lenses, people. There you go. Instant plan B. I'll call up the classic lenses crew and find a lens that can see in the dark. Simon's got loads of those. He's got loads of those. Um, Dave, when you were on Backing Paper a few weeks ago, you said yeah. that you got some ideas about how you might tackle this yourself. Have you have you proceeded with any of those? What are your thinking? I'm I'm still like uh, doing the doing the self portrait assignment, so I have <laughs> okay. that like formulated and solidified, and just need to shoot that now. So. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a little bit behind, yeah. Yeah, that, well, that's um, no good. That's no good at all. We need you on this um, day and tonight one. We need your brain focused here. Just because you're buying oh, a house, it's minor detail. But I've, I've thought of a couple things. There's sort of the obvious, um, because I shoot with splitters, you know, or splitzers if you're using a llama, uh, the idea of keeping a camera at the same place and doing uh, a day shot blending into the same point of view at night. Which you could do. Would yes, that that, that is that, that's definitely one of the things that I want to try. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and so I've 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 thought uh, I've thought about that. Then we were talking about doing um like a night f- night for day or a, a day for night uh idea where you make a shot look like it's in the middle of the night during the middle of the day, um which is you know just sort of a cute like it's something that they do in film all the time. And the other thing I was thinking is to, I've been playing with trichromies a bit recently. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if you guys know that. Which is where, explain, yeah, explain what it is. Yeah, I'll, I'll explain. So you use uh, black and white film to make a color photo by usually having uh, three black and white shots of the same thing. One with a red filter in front of the lens, one with a green filter in front of the lens, and one shockingly with a blue filter in front of the lens, right? And those three color filters, of course, sort of encode the color profile of the scene. And then you can reassemble them to make a color image. And so the fun thing about that is when light is moving. So say you have like clouds moving in the scene, right? Well, every time you change your your lens and all that, take, it takes time and the clouds move. So then you get this cool rainbow separation in clouds, which makes it just really psychedelic and trippy. But it might be fun to do something like that with a sunset where you actually wait and shoot each color at different intervals. And then... <laughs> Yeah, how do you put the pictures together once you've taken? Because you make it sound very simple. You just take essentially three photos of the same scene with different filters on. What do you then have to do with them to make them into a color um, image? Uh, On your computer, you have to. The easier way on the computer is to just use them as your three uh, color layers in Photoshop or something, right? Because in Photoshop, you can separate uh, an image into. Uh, RGB, and you yeah. can actually just do it that way. Um, and then you have to align them, which is annoying. And then it <laughs> <laughs> can be annoying. Um, and then, then in the dark room, you have to like print it in black and white to have a reference, and then make sure you're projecting in the same place, and then play with your color filters to like expose your color paper with each individual thing that's lined up yeah it's really pain in the butt it's not worth doing i feel like i'm being a real idiot here as per usual but i'm still not fully understanding how because as you said let's talk about photoshop because that's the most likely yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um how does black and white become uh color that's the bit i'm just struggling with how i know you're saying about using it to inform the different but i don't yeah um so okay well this is how we think of color filters. This is uh, everyone gather around, kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you. Here's how we think of color filters. When you when you put a red filter on, right, it it quote ups contrast usually for people because you'll have like a lot of green in a scene, right? Um, anything red with a red filter just will look white to the to a black and white sensor or you know black and white film. Mm-hmm. So you think anything red is going to stay sort of white because that's what you're metering for. And then anything green or blue is going to get really dark, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you think about that, you go, oh, with a red filter, everything red gets brighter, right? And so you go, oh, it's encoding where there's red. That's all it's doing. If it's darker where it's green or blue, it's because it's mostly registering where red is. Yeah. That's what. And so then it's the same exact thing with the green and blue filter. It's telling you where, where blue is. And, and the green filter is telling you where green is. Uh, I mean, and so that's if you separate in Photoshop a color photo into its RGB um, channels, it'll look very similar to those three negatives because that's essentially what it is. It's like, just show me where, where red is in this color photo. And, yeah. You know. um, but of course, some other colors will get through, but the, the more, the denser the filter, the more realistic the color will be, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Is it is it fairly straightforward to have a go at doing that? Uh, I found I found it really straightforward. Yeah, 
Are there any films it works better with than others? Um, I like first tried it because they're you know the F FP four party. Yeah. Uh, which is sort of that like, um, the the on Twitter people shoot FP four and post, and then there's winners for bragging rights. So everyone's doing that, and we had made a joke at a former FP four party. Someone mentioned trichromies to do color, and I sort of held on to that. So when the next one came around, I did it really for the first time for an FP four party because yeah. I thought it'd be fun to try to win like a black and white photography contest or whatever with a color photo. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> but yeah, I found it pretty straightforward. It was. Oh, that's cool. That sounds like a technique that's well worth having go. I mean, I know you and you did it. You did it with pictures of your family, right? I think. I did some with my daughter. I did it once in a actual sort of, uh, shoot. oh, the disposable. You remember the disposable shoot where I yeah. shot people in like trash with disposable cameras. Mm-hmm. During that photo shoot, I did a trichromie on large format really quick and I only did one. I only had time to do one, which is really sort of cool. I'll I'll send that to you guys. Um so it which is fun because her arms are in different positions and it's just her face that's lined up because obviously you can't have a model stand perfectly still, but it becomes this really cool like psychedelic, I don't know, whatever thing. It worked really well. Um and then I recently did a like a bichromy, just a two color, like a red and blue thing mm-hmm. for a portrait of an artist in Philadelphia and friend over there, which is really, yeah. So it's a fun, it's really fun to play with. You should play with it. You should do it. Nah, that does sound, it, I suppose it's easier to do a certain subject matter because you can just, if things aren't moving, it's easier to just click three shots or, um, yeah. I, I suppose if you had one of the sort of semi-modern um, SLRs, you could t- stick it on burst mode and, fire off three shots in quick succession that could work quite well maybe but you'd have to change uh, your filter you oh know? yeah good point <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> i like that idea and as you said working with the sunset with the different clouds moving that could be really nice. Cause, I mean, the sunset I-, I asked my um i asked my boys when they were up at the weekend said you know what are your th- what, what ideas could you come up with and the first thing that um, my oldest suggested was oh um a sunset uh, just as the sun was dipping, I'm like, oh god, yeah, that's <laughs> wow! I can't believe that that has not actually been f- floated at some point. Just a real <laughs> simple picture of a sun going down the horizon because that's the most perfect literal um, description. Um, See, we've been trying too hard, haven't we? Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're saying. trying to think it through, trying too hard. You know, so yes, I think the if pro- you shoot a sunset, you're going to be called a cop out. So just <laughs> you shoot like one normally. Maybe shoot a sunset in black and white or something just to like piss people off. But <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like, and this is the thing with a lot of these ideas, um, that we've had lots of conversations about doing for like, fairly wild and wonderful things and trying to make special cameras for stuff. But um, the 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 big sticking point seems to be okay. But how do you actually like you want to end up with a good image at the end of it? And it it feels like maybe with some of the things that I've certainly been thinking of. At best, I'll end up with an image at the end. <laughs> but will it be an aesthetically pleasing image, or will it be an image you look at and go, "Yeah, but wait till I told you what I had to do to get it"? And does that completely undermine any value in the image? <laughs> if you need to explain to somebody why they should be impressed by it, is that a good picture? It seems to fall down slightly in the visual arts front. It depends. Are you are you Derrida or not? <laughs> Am um, I who? Der- Derrida is credited for father of deconstructionism which is like 
Um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> basically the idea that backstory doesn't matter for art and, and stuff like this. So, I mean, uh, yeah, it, if you have to explain it, it's, yeah, it's, the, 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 certainly in the world of hobbyist photography, that's often cited, isn't it, as, um, uh, often cited as a if it, it, you know, your photograph may be special to you, but if part of why it's special is the journey you had to make to get it, to to go through to get it, then yeah. maybe it's may, may, maybe you need to try and remove that from your assessment of it. Um, and it, but but yeah, that, I don't know. That's it, is it? Uh, it it depends, doesn't it? it? Depends on what we're measuring. What are we measuring, Graham? Are we measuring people's techniques or are we measuring people's output? Ah, so the nice thing about the assignments, we're not measuring anything, fortunately. There's no judgment involved in any of this, but I suppose it's more of a personal thing. It's more of, of me personally thinking, okay, well, I, I, I want to try and capture something that at the end is um, feels like a worthwhile creative output. And um, so what I've been thinking about more is, because I think it's it's really difficult to try and capture in a single image... Um, a day and tonight thing. I think that's just it is hard, and we know a lot of people are attacking it in different ways, and it requires clearly more technical knowledge and skill than I have. Um, and even with things like um, you guys were saying about like using the splitters to uh, take a scene and capture day and night on the same shot like that, you need to be in the same place day and night. And, and the point you're making, Aid, about the fact that that split happening real quick coming up will definitely make that easier. But still you probably need to stay somewhere sort of 45 minutes an hour to make that work right so so luckily i work at the moment in an office which has a a, a balcony with a view um and uh that that means i i, I and 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 beer taps so so, <laughs> oh, so so that's not the that's not the hardest thing in the world to achieve right now um but it needs to happen at the right time of day though and it's not quite happening early enough yet so yeah yeah what i'm leaning towards is um maybe trying to put together a sequence of image um images okay. partly because i've um there's kind of an opportunity potentially to go out and take some pictures coming up and I'm like, oh, maybe i could use that so um this weekend i'm <laughs> this is something i never do <laughs> so it's gonna be rough for me but this weekend i'm going out to catch up with some um old college friends and so the idea is going to meet up around six o'clock, go out into Cheltenham, have some drinks, have some food, and probably end up stumbling around town at one, two o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, well, there's a day and tonight situation. Is that, <laughs> you know, can I? Is this something that I can document yeah. my way through? And that's kind of what I'm leaning towards at the moment. Um, a night in the porcelain, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but i thought you know i'm so i'm trying to think about the logistics of that um i'm thinking okay right well one what kind of camera um do i need to, it, am i going to take to do this because as i say i'm going out and so it needs to be something small and um easily oh, it doesn't have to be small well, I mean, yeah, it kind of does. It kind of okay, does. Okay, fine, fine. Continue, sir. Um, because, uh, you know, I don't have a big man bag or anything like that to carry stuff around in. And, um, you know, it's just when I... Um, so I'm thinking probably take a point and shoot to do this. Um, and then I'm thinking, okay, well, 
uh, what kind of film it go you know black and white color um you know with color it's uh easier to capture sometimes the mood of uh, you know partying at night but on the other hand i black and white is quite good for abstraction and that might be quite good when you're trying to run a whole series through having the abstraction of black and white might put a bit of distance between it and i don't know what do you guys think you you should there's people in the double exposure world like what people really want to see is like pretty things on top of other pretty things right that's mm-hmm. all they care about um so the accounts that like share on on instagram for double exposures it's just like pretty people it's faces over pretty flowers and stuff and I've been thinking about, I think people have done it before. I think I've seen images, but I've been thinking about um, that kind of thing though, where except with uh, red scale. So um, everyone loves neon on people's faces. Like that's the thing. Right? <laughs> everyone, everyone loves bu- neon on people's faces. Yeah, no, seriously, the thing is I'll buy some Cinestill 800 and shoot up any arbitrary neon sign on your pretty friend's face. And you're like an amazing double exposure photographer. Like that's the thing right now. Right. And, but I was thinking like, it'd be fun to do that with, um, where you red scale the film mm-hmm. and shoot, uh, the, you shoot like neon things or the things you're going to put over prettiest people's faces in red scale. Yeah. And then you turn it around and then you normal scale the film and then shoot the roll normally. So then uh, it's a double exposure where one of the exposures is red scale and one's not. Yeah. Um, and it might be fun to do a night like that sort of that way where you you superimpose like a, a crazy abstract night with not with like day shots too maybe. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I did, yeah. did think about that, about maybe just shooting the entire roll at night and then shooting it again during the day because I'm planning to go and catch up with a friend during the day on um, Sunday and um, so I could maybe even visit some of the scenes again obviously not trying to capture the exact same pictures but um, I mean have you got any good tips because you do a lot of double exposure stuff I know you do a lot with masks and stuff but um, just general advice for double exposures what's a good way of trying to not end up with CAC yeah gosh so with stuff like that like it's like a film swap where if you're doing a point and shoot, a lot of times the problem is you can't choose how it's loaded, mm-hmm. which really, which really stinks. Cause what you should do, it's easier to use like, um, you know, your typical, uh, 35 millimeter SLR. Yeah. Make sure the, the advanced lever is like a full click. Cause you know, sometimes you do that half click trying to get that extra frame. Yeah. And so make sure it's advanced a full click when you load. That way you know how it's going to advance. And then mark the first frame, like yeah. draw it on the film. So, I mean, I, maybe you've done this before, but listeners who've never done a film swap with this kind of thing before, drawing with permanent marker where your first frame is, uh, is, is pretty, uh, is a, is a big deal because otherwise it's just you can have really offset stuff. And I think with point and shoots, that makes it really hard because yeah. you're just sort of throwing caution to the wind as far as how they line up. Yeah, um, especially as I was thinking about taking the Mew and the Mew is an auto loader. Yeah. <laughs> so that's even more of like, well, okay, well, it, it may or may not grab the film and drag as much as it wants. <laughs> or you could assemble them in the dark. You, do you darkroom print, Graham? You are. I am kind of set up. I'm going to be doing some darkroom printing next week. It's exciting. Um, 
but um okay so that's a good uh for, so and I suppose it would matter whether you're doing this, whether you're red scaling it the first time and doing it the other way. The film leader is still going to be the film leader because you'd wind it back into it. You wouldn't want, you're not talking about like with um, 120 film, which is what I'm now calling it. <laughs> it's the, it's the new um, I think you've missed some M's off the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, you know, it, it's so mark it off and and I, I guess obviously make like a corresponding mark on your camera so you know where it's lining up and just so um and then you, have, you do have to recut the leader so you need to like eat a couple frames so you do like the normal color first and advance uh, like a few frames yeah then mark it off then you'd cut a new leader when you red scale it because it would be on the up because you're flipping it so then the leader is going to be on the wrong side um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you have to cut a new leader, and so you just had to give yourself enough leader the first time around, so that way you can advance to the, you know, you can manually roll it to the same spot. Yeah, yeah but when you flip it back the other way, you're going to need to re-roll it, though, aren't you? So you have well, to you have just a lead- re-roll it once, yeah. But then the mark won't line up because the mark's at the other end. Then, well, you can still see it. No, you can flip it like at the canister, like in your changing bag. Right, like pull it out. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. yeah. Mm, yeah. Just, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, all so sounding it's a, a bit. But it's not like easy. I, I'm, I'm. Wait, I was supposed to be the lazy expert. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Job. Yeah, this this is all sounding a bit much like, too much like hard work for me. Yeah, it's, like, yeah, this conversation is not going it. the direction I wanted it to go in. I, yeah. yeah, yeah all right, well, flipping, red red scale and flipping aside again. Let's let's pull it back towards things yeah. that are uh, easy. Room. Well, no, not dark room. Not even dark. Room. I, I, <laughs> I want I want these to be things that people who want a more hassle free approach. So, um, but I like the idea of going out and doing double exposure. So even if we're just talking about double exposing without flipping the film, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, other good tips for for um double exposing, especially if you're shooting the first roll at night. Um, how do you avoid? blowing out everything you've taken at night completely when you're then shooting in the daytime yeah i mean that's that's a problem people just have with night photography in general isn't it like i mean a good dumb person's rule of thumb is underexposed like two stops at night right because it's supposed to be dark Mm -hmm. and unless you're like metering on a street light your your camera's going to tell you to to boost it way more than it should be so i mean really you you want to you want to underexpose maybe you know three three stops at night um yeah because you can think about it like pre-flashing too uh, oh another thing I should mention I'm getting very uh, meandering today <laughs> um I don't know what's going on you Wh- it's whiskey. actually if you yeah it's the whiskey no it's not enough whiskey so when you do a double exposure and one is uh predominantly darker it's better to do that shot first. And then second, mm-hmm. okay, because a reciprocity failure will have it. So if you're shooting, like if you're putting leaves into someone's silhouette, let's say, you should shoot the silhouette first and the leaves second, uh, because then it'll the person will appear as a better silhouette. So first of all, shoot the night first. That's uh that's the first yeah. tip. And you might think it's the same if you do it in either direction, but it's not mumble something about reciprocity failure and blah 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 <laughs> um but uh yeah the other thing is just don't be afraid to underexpose you know up to three stops from what your meter's telling you 
for the night shots mm -hmm. because the, the light things are going to punch through but you know yeah and then what about metering the following day when you're shooting the day stuff? Are you? I'm guessing you still want under, to underexpose for that as well. Well, yeah, a stop, yeah. I mean, it depends. Like, it depends on the scene, right? Because if you, if you did a bunch of shots at night where you realize you're going to frame the day shot with, like, a dark street with, like, light posts on the sides, right? Mm-hmm. Say, say, say you're doing something like that. So you underexpose it you know, uh, two, three stops to make sure that you don't blow out the those lights that are going to frame your next one. Mm -hmm. And then during the day, you find a scene where on the outside, the scene is just sort of naturally darker. You could probably expose normally and those lights will just punch through and they're underexposed. So they, they punch through and everything else sort of looks normal in the scene, right? Because if your scene's mostly black and there's nothing on the film, right? There's no latent image there. And then you underexpose during the day. It's just going to be slightly dim. So this is where you have to, this is where intuition, I don't know, comes into play a little bit. It's all going over my head, boys. I'm sorry. She's <laughs> just like, it's just okay. like oh, and it's, I, I struggle taking a photograph once, let alone twice. <laughs> well, that's kind of what you plan to do with your splits though, right? I mean, you're planning to, yeah. you're, you're planning to do multiple exposures on the same um, piece of instant film. Uh, yes, but 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 only each bit of it exp exposed only the once. Yeah, you just meter normally. So yeah, so so well, you don't have any choice with the cat. So so you, you don't, all, all of that stuff that, uh, implies that there is some choice over what your camera actually does. Yeah. So so with 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 the with an instant camera, usually you've got a plus or minus exposure <laughs> of some sort. If you're going to expose it more than once, stick it on the minus. <laughs> There's my pro tip for using instant cameras. Stick it on the minus button. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a very good pro tip. Um. <laughs> but, it, it, you know, it, it took me probably two years to realise that the best way to take a portrait with one of my pati one particular instant film camera was to put it in macro mode. <laughs> that was the best way to take a portrait. Yeah, so you know, it's it's it, they're all different, and you're uh, and and I don't know even if they're particularly consistent. You know, a lot of them are manufactured in a fairly you know loose kind of a way. Um, but but you, there's no point in saying you know underexposed by three stops because I don't have a camera where I have that level of control. So you know, I think is is a question of you know uh, try 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 and get. And I think it's partly it. I'm, I've not used the the splitter before, so I'm 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 guessing that the the edges of it uh, of the exposed area are feathered somewhat. Just uh, uh, yeah, I mean it depends on the because the plus and minus is controlled by the aperture, and depends on the cat depends on the camera actually. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The the plus or minus um, is is usually uh, an aperture change is how they do it, not a shutter speed change. In the Lomography ones, it Yeah, is. in the Lomography ones, In yeah. the Fuji Instax cameras, they usually have a fixed aperture, and it's usually done, uh, on, it's usually done on shutter speed. Gotcha. Okay, because if it's a fixed aperture, then the fade's always going to be the, the same, but if you change the aperture, it'll actually change the feather, how much feather there is. Oh, I see what you mean, yes, yeah, because on, on a wider field. aperture, it'll feather more. Yep, exactly. Yeah, okay, yes. Now, that, that, see, there's another good pro tip. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't think the camera that I've got that the Splitzer will work on is my Instax Square, Inst L Lomo Instant Square. Yeah. And that one actually 
does have two apertures, but there is no way of controlling which one gets used. <laughs> so, <laughs> Brilliant. So, so uh, I, I want to say it's something like uh, 12 and 16 or something like that. I, I don't know. I can't remember exactly. I've got, I'm sure I've got it written down somewhere, but I can't remember exactly. Um, it's not going to be a ton of feather, though. I mean, because it's still, it's not. You have a pretty wide depth of field in those cameras, so um, as you know, so it's not like you get a ton of feather between the two. Yeah, so I think we'll probably yeah. So where where um, it's it's just going to be trial and error, I think, in part. Uh, but that's okay. Trial and error can be a good thing, can't it? Have you have you done many night shots with that camera anyway, Aid? Uh, no. <laughs> no no you come to mention it <laughs> um no not really um so uh but i i i know some about i know some about how it will behave in different circumstances yeah. so i can tell you for example that um it's got a fairly decent um auto shutter uh you know in the sense that a fairly decent range of shutter speeds that it is available to you so so um so it'll 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 try and expose properly um and uh, uh the uh, I, i'm not i wasn't intended to shoot necessarily in pitch black anyway um you know because city dark is isn't really dark anyway is it so there's always quite a lot of ambient light to pick up uh and uh but but it does it, it's in it's interesting because you did the the way it works and judges exposure changes based on the the available ambient light which i know is a re is at one level sounds like a really duh thing to say because that's what it's supposed to do but equally there are certain lighting conditions where it where it where it uh underexposes and certain lighting conditions where it overexposes and you just have to to try and uh, try try and sort all of those out as well so it's um yeah, it's it, it's it's they're all different, and I suspect what I've learned is just what my one does rather than what as a class of camera they do. So, yeah, we'd, well, we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see. The problem you will have, and I was chatting to Alex Purcell about this last night with his camera, is that um, because of the nature of the shot you want to set up, you get one shot per evening. To, to do because you get the camera on the tripod, get it all set up, take your early fit, your, your first pic image on the first half, uh, then leave it where it is until the nighttime shot, and then take the second. What? So you only get to do that once each evening. So um, iteration is difficult. True. True. <laughs> um, which seems to me to be an argument to you to take more than one camera. Yes. Yeah. This, this is yeah. the problem with all these ones where you're trying to capture an image that has both day and night on the same image. It's it is that thing of if you're if unless you're using something like four by five or well large format in general or a camera uh, maybe you could do something with your Bronica where you could swap the back out so at yeah. least you can you know do a couple of frames on it. Um, you know th that gives you more flexibility, but you can't do that with your instant very easily. Four by five would be great for that. Yeah. It's all it's all up for grabs still, isn't it? Really, that's what I'm hearing. It's it you know it's there's a there's a lot of fun and learning and what have you to to be done, or yeah, some, or, or something. Instant is yeah, it's it's exactly what you're saying. It even for me with the double exposures and everything. I have a series uh, a series with the splitzer 
on the limo thing and it's just so many lost shots to get one good one to experiment with Ugh. it's just yep yeah it's just it's just it's depressing and i want to continue that series but there's a part of me that just doesn't well, a doesn't have the budget for the film and b just can't can't deal with the emotional roller coaster <laughs> waiting for yeah. this to come out yeah yeah uh, I will ask you, talking about series, so again, coming back to this idea of taking pictures in you know, next weekend, yeah. so I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not sure whether I want to try and take pictures, um, which, as we said at the beginning, like I, I like the idea of shooting a roll at night and then exposing it again during the day and overlaying, or whether to try and put together not so much, as, I suppose it's still a series, but a sequence of showing, as you said, from... Uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed to um, uh, haggard by the end of the evening, whether it's the people or the locations or something like that. Um, have you ever, have either of you guys ever put together more of a sequence of images for work like that, rather than a series of you know images that are perhaps within the same theme but not on a timescale? Hmm, good question. I, I think I, I want to say yes, but I can't remember off the top of my head what it was that I I did. Um, because mm. it it feels to me now I I'm, I'm going to really annoy myself because I cannot remember the chap's name. But do you remember Aid the first exhibition, uh, the first exhibit we met at uh, in Oxford? Um, the chap's mother and father work. Um, actually, I cannot remember the photographer's name now, which is going to really drive me oh, up the wall. It will drive you up the wall because you really love that photographer. <laughs> yeah, I really do. I really do. And uh, I really love that I don't. Do, and to be honest, I'm not sure I ever knew the name. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I will find it and I'll put it in the show notes. But um, So this that piece of work, which we've talked about in the past, was a series of images that he shot of his mum, mother and father, you know, in their garden at a distance over months and months, um, and his his mother was suffering with Alzheimer's and eventually died. And and the thing about that sequence is that um, individual images didn't necessarily stand out. You you wouldn't necessarily put an individual individual image from that sequence on the wall and go, oh yes, this is a amazing standing on its own picture. Not there's anything wrong with them, but they just they they were designed to work in the sequence, and yeah. and the sequence kind of built up this bow wave of emotional energy as it went through, um, so that at the end the impact was far greater than any one of the individual images could ever have been. Um, so, so that's interesting, though, because part of the power of that was the story behind it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly, and that's the thing is this idea of trying to convey story through a sequence, um, and mm-hmm. and how to do that. Obviously, in a far far smaller, far more flippant way than that. But um, yeah, how how to try and do that kind of thing with this? You know, I, I I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure how to approach this because I've never done anything like this. Every time you have another drink during the night, you have to add another exposure to all subsequent shots, right? So before you have a drink, they're all single exposures. You have one drink, they all have to be double. Then you have another drink, they all have to be triple, right? Uh, until you have a drink. 
and then then you pick the best single double triple and then it just you know yeah that's the the night into into porcelain series i think i I quite (laughs) like that now because i'm I'm thinking Mm. that through so i'd have to think what camera i could do that with but a camera where you could just fire the shutter as many times you want so something like a holger Mm. or something like that so as you said in the evening whilst it's still bright and the light works quite well with this you're just taking single exposure everybody's nice and clear and then later on in the evening you try to take a picture of somebody and it's click 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 as opposed to just click to build yeah but it's tied to your number of drinks i think that's the key (laughs) (laughs) i think i think it's got to be yeah, I, do, I quite like that. I, I do like that. Um, but that does instantly throw out my idea of using a point and shoot out the window. Mind you, one yeah, has to have some of my old... Hmm. See, this is the thing. Like, This is why I wanted to talk about this, because um, like th- throwing up ideas like this is great, but also you then have to think, okay, what piece of equipment will yeah. fit the bill for doing this? Um, like the Holger would... But I can only take 12 pictures with the whole... I mean, I could take another roll of film, but do I really want to take the Holger mm. out on the town at night? I mean, Most, I've got my street So, so Holger, Holger's going to be challenging because you haven't got a lot of uh, dynamic range to play with in the camera settings. Yeah, but that's why you so, keep firing the shutter. <laughs> Clickety, click, click, click. Uh, yeah, but you also... Uh, I, I suppose if you ended up at some point to be somewhere bright, then it, you, know, you, you wouldn't be able to do your multiple exposures, or if it was too mm. dark, you'd need to do the wrong number. So it's, it, it is a bit tricky, a bit challenging. Yeah. Um, but you could do it with something that had... Uh, you know, like, like your Mew or something like that. You could do it with that. Or can you not... No, because no. you, can you not do I multiple th- exposures on that? I think you'd have to do like a 70s reflex, like an AE1 or something where you can just press the film rewind button. Okay, yeah, let's, I was going to ask for that. Let's talk about this because I've never tried doing this. So yeah. explain this technique to, to a us. A lot of... Them. It works for most uh, sort of 70s, 80s era reflex cameras. So, um, yeah. So what you do is, you know, your little... Uh, film rewind uh, release button on the bottom mm-hmm. you hit that and then you advance and what happens is that makes the uh the take up spool like sort of freewheel during that advance so then when you quote advance it doesn't actually advance the film um but it does recharge the shutter mm-hmm. so you press a little button you advance like you would normally and you actually don't um you don't move to the next frame. Yeah, the, my, my Nikon 35mm SLRs do, exa- do it exactly that way. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you, uh, yeah, so that, that's just how they achieve it. I think the Bonica is similar, uh, Graham. Yeah, you, I know you can um, flip a switch on that, can't you, to double yeah, exposure? Yeah, there's, there's a switch for double exposures, and, and then when you wind it on to cock the shutter, um, then uh, it, it just doesn't wind the film. It, it disengages the film. Yeah. mechanism yeah. uh so yeah you could you could do it that way yeah mm. that's, I mean, cause i've got a couple i've got sort of um i was gonna say i've got my olympus om1 which i'm absolutely not gonna take <laughs> on a drunken night around the town but i've got an om10 uh yeah i've got an om10 i could take that um or i've got a i'm trying to think what little small ones i've got i've got a pentax m which one's the manual one? M E M X. I've got the fully manual um diddy little Pentax. Um, that's a nice little camera, and I got a sort of a decent fifty mil lens on that as well. Yeah, that could work. I could. I mean, again, it's not going to go in my pocket, but um, 
that might be the easiest way, mightn't it? That's the only way I can think of of getting a, a double exposure on something that I've got the control on. Um, but I do like that idea a lot. I think that idea has got a lot going for it. If you do, and if you do that idea where you have a lot of exposures for one photo, right? Because you know you're eight drinks in, so you got, or you know, say something weirder like seven. I'm already lying on the floor, eight drinks in. It's gonna okay. be a lot of pictures of the carpet. Okay, so so say you're five drinks in, right? Which isn't really two stops. Just pro tip: just uh, set your ISO dial to the actual ISO of your film times the number of exposures you want to take, and it'll meter correctly. Ah, yeah, good point. Because ISO is linear. So that's the little thing. So now you've had two drinks, you know it's going to be two. Just, oh, it's a 100 speed film. Set your dial to 200 so you don't have to think about it. You have another drink, that's three. Set it to 300. Done. Sorted. Hang, hang on, okay. Now I, I need to... So... But surely, if you set it to 200, and it's going to give you... Okay, so it's going to give you a faster shutter speed then because it thinks mm-hmm. that, okay, uh, I'm with you now. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. Sorry, my brain I, was... Yeah. No, it's okay. ISO is linear, so it's easy. You multiply, multiply your ISO by the number of exposures you want to take and you get the correct meter reading. Okay, so so we're for six, then where are we at with the ISO on that one? What, if you're doing six exposures? Yeah. I yeah, suppose, yeah. You, what, just... what ISO is your film? I don't know. What film should I use? I mean, this is... Like, if it's 100-speed film, it's 600 ISO. Right? I should probably start with 100-speed film, then, shouldn't yeah, I? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. If it starts brighter, start with something like 100 every drink you add, you know. So, yeah. four drinks, you're at 400. It depends how much you plan on drinking, because, you know, no. if you're not going to drink that much, maybe 200-speed film. Yeah. I do like this idea. And what I like about this is that um, there's a lot going. There's a lot going on here. Know, but, it, but it is. But it, it like as ideas go, it's it is an easy one as long as I can when I'm four or five drinks in remember to do the thing I need to do. But I mean, like worst case scenario, I fail to you know it's you you still get images out of it. So, so you need to take some establishing shots as well, though. So, yeah. so you know, before you go, yeah. So, this is you, you were asking about a body of work early, or, or, mm. or photographing something through time. Where I've done that most is when I've been trying to, when I've been study, studying sounds like a, a strong word, doesn't it? Where, where I have been, where I have been uh, fooling around with concepts from cinematography. So if you want to capture, uh, if you want to film a scene, um, you, you will need more than one shot to, to film that scene. Uh, and, and there are some standard types of shot that you can, that you can use. You often will include at some point in your scene, uh, uh, a wide shot. So to give, to give context, mm-hmm. you'll often include several mid shots and then you'll, you know, uh, at least one close up, for example. I mean, those are all cliches and, you know, you, you can play with them and be creative and what have you. But the, you know, you don't always have to have your wide shot as your establishing shot. You could start, if you want to be more intense, you could start off with, yeah, I don't know, some topless selfies or something like that. <laughs> you know, if you get you getting ready for your night out, then you could... Then you could take uh, a wide shot, establishing shot of the vistas of Cheltenham, for example. Then mm-hmm. you could uh, then you could take a, a shot of your first drink, a close up shot of your first drink, or something like that. Or somebody else could take a photo of your face just after you've taken your first drink. <laughs> <laughs> It'll have to be a double exposure. 
okay so the 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 ideas may not be work seamlessly together you may have to choose one or the other but yeah or or something but but there's there's all these yeah you you could do that and and that's that's when i've um that that's when i've tried to pull to yeah one of the things sorry that's one one of the things i've tried to do in the past which is which can be quite good fun is to try and create almost create a storyboard but yeah do it do it intentionally as if you were trying to film uh, a scene but do it with stills yeah you just gave me idea actually um so having someone else uh photo you graham for every every shot um and so when you have your drink and it's a double exposure you give the camera to two different people but they don't know it's a double exposure and you have them both take a photo of you. Mm-hmm. And then you could have something like that where, yeah, you're sort of a concept photographer, but you're not actually hitting the shutter. So you're three drinks in. Yeah. Someone, you know, three different people to take a photo of you. You could do something like that. It might be fun to just see yeah. your face like <laughs> shatter, you know, throughout the night. Something. Oh man, yeah. That's. I mean, we were talking earlier about um, the fact that a lot of people just want to see pretty things now. It's quite good to push back against that, but yeah. man, this seems like <laughs> that seems like a real hard pushback. An, an evening of just watching me just basically slip into just <laughs> it'd be like the picture of Dorian Gray, except we're looking at the picture rather than Dorian Gray. Oh man, that yeah. Um, but no, I I do. I really like some of the ideas with that, um, I, and I think that that's probably more easily workable than the idea of double exposing and flipping back and also yeah. um I, I, yeah i i think it could look i think it could look fun i think it, it's yeah i i really like that with the winding on um do you need to um hold the kind of the left hand the sort of bit you normally use to wind the film back yeah. do you need to hold that in place to stop it from pulling at all yeah, I mean, because it can move a little sometimes. Yeah. So, so good advice would be to make sure the tension's taken up well. Yeah. Already. Yeah. And then when you when you advance, just put your thumb on it, um, so it doesn't doesn't move uh, much. Yeah. I do. I do love this because like, you you got your one hand, you got tension that you got your thumb underneath, and you're winding it on. Which you know, it's not a difficult thing to do. But five drinks in, oh boy, yeah. this is like you're tackling <laughs> the crypto factor. <laughs> I mean, you just have to press the the um, rewind button, then you then you do everything. You don't have to hold that down or anything. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. You just press it in. I like that. Um, All right. Follow up question to this idea. Then, um, what is a good way if you put together a sequence like this? How do you actually share that with somebody? Because Instagram's no good for that kind of thing. I mean, unless your sequence is five shots long, which I suppose you could make a very condensed version. Um, but what's a good way of actually sharing a sequence in a way that can convey what you want with people? I mean, you, you're putting together a film at the moment, Dave. You know, how how does one go about this? I mean, it's, it's interesting that, like you mentioned film, because it, it would probably be good also to make a video. If you're going to share it to Instagram, I'd probably just say you should actually make it a video where it's several seconds for each one mm-hmm. and post that to Instagram, right? Where they're watching the sequence um, or something like that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, share, share, I mean, sharing is difficult. You hit on the thing too, where when you work in series, people don't necessarily want individual photos either. So it's, it's sort of a, it's sort of a hard thing to do. I mean, Instagram is good with stories for stuff like that too. Um, 
because people like tapping through. Um, yeah, Twitter's not great for it because you can only post what four photos. Hmm. So that's why a video might be your best bet if you you know import them all into a video and just have it, you know, each that, shot. Okay, that sounds clever. Actually, yeah, I like, I like that idea. I was trying to because I was trying to I was trying to think about you know post processing as well. I mean, so in in the sense that we 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 yeah we we've all been talking about various different ideas, whether it is slicing up Instax prints or whether it's you know yeah you know, what it is, whatever it is that you want to do with. With, with film scans and stuff like that then we, we haven't really talked too much about post-processing yet I, i'm uh, thinking a heavier we... and heavier vignette as the night goes on drawing down to a pinhole by the end of the <laughs> evening <laughs> that, so, so so yeah yeah absolutely v- vignette as a as a creative narrative tool i like it mm. <laughs> like... <laughs> i get busy if you go with the multiple exposures though <laughs> yeah yeah that's true that's true on. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. Think black and white would be a lot of fun for that, though. Yeah, yeah. I said that's this is the thing that I've I've really just been umming and ahhing over it is because when you're going for a night out, it does feel like color captures the energy. But I, as I said earlier, I do like that a bit of abstraction that always comes with black and white, um, and the fact that we're going with double exposures again just adds another layer. It's it's going to make it all just look a bit. So, um, so nobody says you can't. Nobody says you cut. You couldn't do that through post processing. Yeah, so you could. You could cat. shoot cat. Yeah, mm. you could shoot color and then progressively desaturate the images as the night goes on. Mm, yeah, I like that idea. The other, so, the other good thing about color is even if you desaturate them all and turn them all to black and white at the end, you have a little more dynamic range. So it gives you a little more leeway if you've been drinking <laughs> to make sure you get good shots when you're playing. Yeah, you do need footage. to. You do need to, to. You do need to have film that's got a good dynamic range. I think, yeah. don't you? Good, good latitude as well. Yeah. Gold crumbs. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the last so, time so I you, took a camera I don't know, with these guys, <laughs> it, did, it did not go well. Yeah, you did. So, so I don't. I don't know what you if you've got any line around the house, Graham. But try and find some that have got. So, so try and find some film that has some good, good latitude. Yeah, mm, yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got some of the um, Kodak Pro Image One Hundred. Um, that should be pretty good. That should be reasonably forgiving. I'm not sure if I've got any portrait. I might have some portrait because again, I know portrait is um, got some great bandwidth on it. Um, I'm yeah. sure I've got HP Five. Um, yeah, if you had any Portra 160, I mean that's the slowest Portra goes, um, uh, and so if you're going to be doing it lots, because the idea that the yeah you know, the idea of changing your ISO um, only only works if you've got a camera that can put its automatic you know, its automatic exposure up to fairly high ISOs. Yeah, 160 yeah. though you get, can get you know like if it's 16 if your camera goes up to 1600, basically. 160 gives you up to 10 drinks of photos. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, by that point, I'm in the so, hospital so and there's plenty of light yeah. in the hospital. <laughs> so 160 is a good shout then, right? Because yeah. you know that um, basically any camera should be able to handle um, you changing the meter. Yeah, okay. So maybe it is going to be a small SLR then. Maybe uh, the, the OM10 seems like a good idea, particularly because then... Um, it will automate a certain amount of that for me. I don't have to worry about figuring out shutter speeds. It can, um, as long as I set, remember to set the ISO each time I um, jack it up. Yeah. Exactly. Um, 
yeah, and maybe right on the back of the camera. Get some tape and right on the back of the camera what I'm doing. Um, that seems like it might be a good idea. I, I can't. I, I was going to say I can't imagine I'm going to drink heavily because I never drink heavily, apart from these once every two years occasions where I go out with my friends, um, and then I remind myself that I cannot drink because I only do it once every two years. Um, so yeah, oh God. <laughs> the pictures from the morning after will be just. <laughs> me staring at breakfast feeling sick i don't know how one conveys that in a, in a single image but um because uh, it is you, you... you'll you'll know you'll know it when you're there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah okay so that's that's good so we got you sorted out then graham you know exactly what's going on excellent so you've yeah. gone in the, in the course of this conversation you've gone having from, from having no plan to having a proper plan yeah I know well this is why I very selfishly wanted to have this conversation this evening because <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said I had the germ of an idea of when I might tackle it but the um, the how uh, hadn't really come together and um, I, I do I really like this I, I think uh, yeah I think and I think because um, like, so the, the idea of the double exposures doing day and night Especially when you're doing on 35 mil, so you, you you are just trying to, you're not going to remember what you shot the night no. before, and the random nature of double exposures like that can produce some incredible, incredible shots. But more often than not, it they're just not, and it's such a dice roll. Um, so I'd rather go into it something where at least I can I can visualize what these pictures are going to be like to a greater extent as opposed to just shooting a whole roll twice and not knowing if any pictures are going to be worth seeing at the end of it. Um, it seems, no, I do. Yeah. yeah, that's why I'm not as big of a fan of that kind of stuff because I'm bad at taking notes too. Um, and like and like what Aid said, even if towards the end of the night they get sort of like shit as far as like composition and multiple exposures go. Mm. If you have a good establishing some shots early on, right? And the cool thing with this concept is you can shoot as many rolls as you want, right? You just know how many exposures you're at, so you can swap swap out for a new roll. Um, so, like, if you have good establishing shots and some uh, some gems at the beginning, the it sort of derailing actually might make it more interesting. <laughs> in, in fact, you know, in that in that case, when it gets a little when the pandemonium sets in, so. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think yes. I, I like this idea a lot because I was thinking that the alternative that you could do if you didn't want to go to the trouble of trying to manage the um, uh, multiple exposure in a single frame is essentially take exactly the same idea, but just as the evening goes, let the shutter speed ride so that by the time it's you know by the time the evening is going on, um, you, you're you're dropping down shutter speeds every time, um, so that. But I think those images would just end up looking like a complete mess um whereas with the multiple exposures there's although they're going to be chaotic they could theoretically still be visible visible as images yeah. yeah if you did the shutter speed thing you'd have to do the old flash trick where you do the long shutter with the flash so that you have something to look at but you still have these like increasing like trails off of people mm, yeah there was a second curtain sync flash you can do second curtain. I mean, it doesn't really matter the, which sync, but yeah, you could do second curtain or you know, the the normal one. Depends which side you want the trails on, I guess. So I've only ever had a go. So second curtain sync flash. For anybody that doesn't know, I'm about to probably bugger up the explanation completely. But my understanding is that that's when <laughs> you the have shutter... a flash expert here. But you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't. I'm listening intently now. <laughs> <laughs> 
as we all know, I am the expert on flashes here, as David just pointed out. And that's where when the shutter fires, the flash fires at the end of the shutter opening and closing, as opposed to at the beginning of it, right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, so yeah. mo- the n- normal is is first curtain or um or yeah, uh, or front curtain, and it, it, what that means is the flash will fire as soon as the shutter is opened, and then the the rear curtain or second curtain sink is uh is simply the just to flash just before it closes. The difference is, um, if you imagine you are taking a shot of a vehicle moving, and you want that whole light trails thing. Um, if you think about what what that happens, assuming the vehicle is moving forwards, if you, sh- you, you so your ambient exposure will give you the light trails, and it's the flash that gives you the picture of the vehicle itself. Um, so if you have the uh, first curtain or front curtain sync, so as soon as your shutter opens, uh, it will take it will flash, and that'll be what captures the picture of the vehicle. Then you'll get the trails, and so the trails will actually move in front of the image of the car that your or vehicle mm-hmm. that you've captured. If you want it so that the trails shoot out behind it like some sort of space rocket, um, you need to take you need to have the flash shoot as late as possible so that the vehicle is as far forward as possible and all of your ambient captured light trails are behind it. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. So the, um, only, the only time I've tried this is with a digital camera. Um, and is it something that is... Can you do that with older cameras, manual cameras, mm-hmm. Instax cameras? It depends on the camera. It, it, it does depend on the camera. It's not something that you'll regularly see in cameras from the 60s or 70s but from the 80s onwards it became a bit more common i think oh to, um, for the for the choosing the curtain sink you're talking about yeah yeah but i mean as far as doing the long exposure with a flash you can do on any of them so how would you do it on just an, on, on an old manual camera then uh well so the remembering that the 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 flash will pro you know uh the the the, the shutter speed doesn't take account uh, doesn't impact the exposure for your flash the flash is only the sensitivity and you know how you know, how, how bright the light is basically um uh and and your your aperture controls how much of that light um uh, gets into the camera uh, and onto the film um so in theory you could have a flash exposure that lit somebody nicely um but it would all be black in the background um or you could leave it longer and then you'd get the background would come up uh remember of course that because the, the and it's the background it affects more than anything else because um anything in a near ground will probably get some flash but the flash decays very quickly according to the inverse square law so the amount of light that is further away, that travels further away it drops off quite quickly so you know if you are in a pub let's say just for the sake of this conversation because that might be where you end up taking these shots uh, then you know the the background in your pub will be far more visible if you have a longer shutter. Got you. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah. Okay, that sounds like it might be an excessively complicated way of uh, trying to do it. I think my um like my mo- most modern SLRs, the Canon 30E, I think that does actually have a setting for um second curtain shutter sync on it. But um I'm not going to take that out. <laughs> I think that might make <laughs> life more difficult. Um. One of the other things, um, I guess, I, 
not that I think I'm going to tackle this, but another one that I think is um, something we talked about early on as a possible way of tackling this and uh, I think is a, a nice, easy way for people to try and do it is the idea of doing diptychs and triptychs um, to capture the day and tonight thing. Um, is there anything you guys, like, you look for that, that makes a diptych work as a complete package as opposed to just two images side by side? Um, is it a sort of... A symmetry is it what are you looking for with that kind of thing to, to make them visually appealing uh for me you really gosh you have to look at each photo individually and how your eye travels around it because i think a lot of people when they create diptychs they create something yeah like a symmetry that they find visually appealing maybe it creates a nice v between the two Mm-hmm. But maybe the one on the left was actually good because there is like an isolated man on a bench, you know, pretty small. Mm-hmm. But when you put it in a diptych, you know, individually, you're, you're instead of there being a V, your your gaze travels from the bottom right corner up to that man and you feel the isolation. Then suddenly when you move it in a diptych, you travel down that V and up to the right one and you never see him and he's lost. Right. Yeah. So it's just like an arbitrary example. But that's something that I think you have to be careful of because I see it fairly often where you're like, oh, these work together in a like big, like in a, a generic aesthetic way, but the actual power of the individual photos can be lost. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm always interested in how does your eye travel on the image individually and think about that, and then look at them together. How does your eye travel? It's going to be different, but is it in a way that? It's good, bad, or or what? So I don't, I that's that's interested. really interesting. Actually, I like that a lot. Um, it, it I've not thought of it like that before. Um, I mean, I have a a few little rules of thumb myself, but that that's a that that's a, an interesting way of, of thinking about it. Um, I think so that I I maybe have have not got such a subtle or mature understanding of <laughs> of the art of diptychs and triptychs, but I I, I have got some you know some uh, some uh, cliche techniques <laughs> well they may not be cliches but there's so so often i i prefer to shoot threes rather than two so so i'm more of a triptych kind of a person and often then the triptych i will shoot uh, each of the individual images in, in portrait aspect ratio um, and collectively they'll still be wider than they are high um, but but that that is something that I personally find aesthetically pleasing even though it's probably also the, the most common way of doing it which mm. is why I say some of my things are cliches because some of these things you know cliches are cliches because they're true aren't they right they can be very useful it's how you apply them that is 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 the trick um, I've seen uh, yeah, there's a couple of technical production things. So, so you have to allow for the gap if you can. It's far easier to shoot a triptych as one frame and then slice it than it is to shoot it as three frames. Because if you shoot it as three frames, you've got to recognize that there's going to be a gap between the, t- the images. And then if you, you, you've got to, um, you've got to allow for that in the way that you create it. So let, let's say you were using a, a, a tripod head that could pan. You don't want the two images, the, the images that you take to be really butt up against each other. You want a little bit of a gap because when you print them, you've got to, you've got to produce them or capture them with the production in mind, if you see what I mean. Yeah. 
otherwise it might look a bit funny um and then then beyond that in terms of content and composition um you know building on what dave was saying um you know i've seen it very effective where one side or the other has the subject in it and the rest is sort of background landscape so if you picture i don't know let's think of let's think of a triptych where uh, it's a lake with some mountains in the background and that is one image that goes across all three frames but maybe there's a rowing boat on the edge of the lake and that's only in one of the frames the left hand side one or the right one it wouldn't work in the middle <laughs> um, uh, or maybe it's a it's a, a an environmental portrait um, and maybe then you might I could imagine you could shoot something that was quite a wide angle portrait uh, and you'd have the, the the subject's face in the middle frame but then the environmental stuff either side of it um that could that i could imagine that being quite effective as well so it's it it's it it's composition with the production in mind and yeah. capture and technical aspects of capture with the with the production in mind um do you think it can work well doing uh we, we talked earlier about you know storyboarding and sequencing taking that kind of approach to diptychs or triptychs to try and tell a, a, a short story in those scenes um can that work yeah um is it I, i'm not sure whether that then is still a triptych because i but but <laughs> maybe, series then. i think i think what you've got there is a cartoon <laughs> <laughs> and in the first one there's this stripy cat who hates mondays uh yeah and in the second one there's, there's some lasagna and in the third one um he's post posting normal to tibet or wherever it is gets yeah, yeah indeed yes so um yeah uh pick a cartoon of your choice but but yeah certainly i mean yeah it, that's a very established narrative form isn't it you know uh, three or four frames as a narrative you know you could you know you could have the first one being your your getting this is like shooting a wedding isn't it you could have your first one being you know the 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 groom's party getting dressed and tying each other's ties and all that sort of malarkey the second one being a, an establishing shot of 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 the 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 room that the ceremony is going to be held in uh, uh the third one could be the the loving couple kissing and then the fourth one could be uh i don't know whatever yeah but you see where i'm yeah so, so yeah. you could do that with a you could definitely do that with a night out yeah it, but I mean, it, it's more of a uh, polyoptic than a stricture. That's <laughs> <laughs> it, legal yes. in this country. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell it. Yeah, three stories. Th yeah, do it. Yeah, you you might end up with a a few more than three at that point, or maybe not. I don't know. Hmm. But I mean, if you did have three, I mean, would that would that still not? I mean, so you wouldn't consider that a triptych if they were. Uh, for you, does a triptych need to be one? space or one image I, you know I'm, I'm interested by this in, in what you both consider to be diptychs or triptychs so so i don't know but that's what i've always thought um so um i've just quickly googled it and it says a picture or a leaf carving on three panels yeah there we so, go so it, it says so um although that that says you know um a trip to, uh, typically hinged together vertically and used as an altarpiece. So that, that's that, that's kind. Of, so that's that's the historical definition of a triptych um, as a as a religious artifact. Um, I think. So, I mean, I think if you're going to always display them together in the same way, like if you would sell them together, like a triptych, you would sell together. You wouldn't sell an individual piece per mm -hmm. se. I think that's sort of a my rule of thumb. 
right? Yeah. They're always going to be displayed together the same way, even if they're in separate frames and not hinged in the old fashion. Um, yeah, like Ru- Russian, also, Russian, Russian Orthodox art. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but you could do the Russian Orthodox art approach to your night and a day or day and a night. So, so the, actually, that 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 could work conceptually in the sense that often those those kind of uh, historical art pieces do tell a story of of uh, revelations. Yeah. So so you you but know you need uh, really tiny people. You do really, you wouldn't it or, yeah. or yeah a really wide angle lens yeah <laughs> very yeah, wide re- angle yeah re- really tiny people and you need a lot of them and they all need to be doing really naughty stuff in at least one of the images. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Cheltenham on a uh, Saturday can night. Get, can you get people to oddly float and participate in yeah? In, yeah is in is sense. there a is there a uh, a string fellows in <laughs> in Cheltenham? Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> I think. Yeah, the thing Aid was saying, though, I like uh, when you were saying having something sort of close in detail and then maybe a wider shot. I do sort of, I personally, I like diptychs or triptychs sometimes, which I think sometimes it's called a brickyard balance or whatever, but the it's sort of a type of asymmetrical balance where you have one heavy object balanced off by a bunch of smaller objects in a composition. So, so that could you the give two, an example? Because so I, I can't two, quite picture what you mean. So, so like, imagine that you have, like, um, a basketball on the left and then a bunch of golf balls on the right image, but the two of them feel like they weigh the same amount. Okay. So, visually, like, it, it's not it's not like a symmetrical balance in the classical sense, but when you stare at it, it feels balanced. Um, yeah, I like, I like, yes, because, yes, that that's playing with the way the brain perceives balance, yeah, isn't it? I like exactly. that a lot, yeah. So yes. I like that in, in, in these kinds of things is playing with that kind of balance too. So um, you could have one burger in one side and like a whole load of vegetables on the other side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it would still feel heavy on the burger side, so, yeah. I imagine yes, that's... or one pint on one side, a pint on one side and loads of vodka shots, shots. on the other. Yeah, and then shots on the other side, exactly. Now you're thinking... <laughs> Because um, everybody sensible starts off with a pint of beer just to yeah just just yeah. because they don't want to drink too much straight away. But by the end of the evening, yeah, you know, when when you're shooting Jaeger bombs, yeah, it's. Yeah. <laughs> but with your photography, at least in that, you've obtained a balance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if so, say for example, somebody was trying to shoot a diptych, um, not like a, like what I'm playing about going up, but shooting a diptych, um, maybe trying to capture one scene where they take one picture during the day and one picture in the night of essentially the same scene. Um, does the idea of that balance, like, do the different light levels change the weight? I mean, are, are yes. things going to feel differently weighted? You know, and and how does that work with that way? Dark things are heavier. Dark things are heavier. So yeah, the heavier something think... out is the dark. The the darker something is the the think of it as more of a density visually, right? So, yeah. yeah. I think I think you probably want you'd want more frames at that point because you'd want to show it as a gradient rather yeah. than as just one end and the other and the other end, or show uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I think you you you'd want more more than two. More than two. And and in some ways, the more you could have, the better. But of course, you know, that then gets a bit problematic, doesn't it? So, so you know, um, I I like odd numbers. So it, I could I could see depending on the size of these things. I and mean, if you were going to shoot, let's say you were going to print them six by four, and you shot them in a portrait aspect, 
then you could probably get away with five quite easily. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. And and with that, you, as Dave was saying at the beginning, you'd still want to, with that, would you still, sort of, I mean, I guess you always, do you still want to sort of step back and try and look at how the whole sequence reads from left to right as well as the individual images within that, right? And and uh, so there's left to right is an interesting one because that depends on your culture. Uh, but yes, for our culture, typically left to right. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're a manga photographer, yeah. Uh, well, uh, well. So, or, or or your first language is Arabic, or something. Yeah, yeah. Arabic, exactly. So, so you know, uh, or there are. I think there are languages you read downwards and right to left, aren't yeah, there? Yeah, there's, there's. Um, but yeah, a lot of <laughs> if it's more of a Western culture, it's typically. Uh, yeah. And 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 I think you're going out for a fairly Western cultured night, aren't you? Uh, I'm pretty sure at some point we might even end up in the Wetherspoons. <laughs> I mean, Western, yes. Cultured, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cult- yeah, yes. Okay. Culture in the geographic sense, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So left to right. So if you were shooting, if you were shooting, uh, portrait aspect. I think you've got more leeway to you to include more frames without it looking just like a string of spaghetti as you as you view it. Mm. Yeah. So because if you have the if you have them landscape oriented, then probably you know it, it, let's say they're six by fours. If you shoot two of them, you've got twelve by four. So that's a three to one ratio. You shoot three of them. You know, your your uh, where are you with that eighteen by four, which is a four and a half to one ratio. So you know, you know you're going quite wide quite quickly there. Whereas if you shoot the other way round, when you, when you've got two, you've only got eight by four, uh, and then you sorry eight by six, and then the uh, then you add another one, so you've got twelve by six. So at three frames, you've only got you're still only at two to one. So you're still inside a, a cinematic ratio yeah. at that point. And and so you you I think you'll probably get away with five because you'd end up with twenty by six, which is not far off. Uh, actually, it's just over. Th- it's just over three to it's three point three to one, isn't it? So it's that that is quite wide, but you could probably yeah. get away with it. Yeah. But but then you have to think about it, look at it first all together, because someone who looks at it, if they're hanging it on a wall, right, they're going to see the whole thing together. And then they're going to come up and look at them all individually. At that one, it's harder to like figure out how the eye follows it. You know, when yeah. You get too big. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot, I think we've. I hope <laughs> in this rambling chat this evening, sort of covered a few ideas, a few I sort of conceptual ideas that are perhaps more um, easily approached by uh, everybody out there who doesn't feel like making something. Um, I mean, before we get out of here, can it, have either of you guys got any other sort of quick thoughts or suggestions for um, approaches or techniques that people could have that are very easy that anybody could have a go at who's got any kind of camera to kind of to have a go at the day and tonight that we may not have already covered? Um, the, the only one I can think of off the top of my head is that if you have a manual camera shoot in manual mode um so you you could uh, and even maybe do uh, use bracketing so you know because if you're doing if you're doing a day to night in the sense that it's light is daytime and it goes to nighttime um and you're trying to track the light then clearly you want to you you want your last photo to be darker than your first photo mm-hmm. <laughs> right if 
So, so if you have the opportunity to to set the camera manually and control the exposure that way, go for it because that give, means you you have options to keep it the same. Um, it that that uh, and then to be doubly sure, if you do some exposure bracketing, so you you shoot your first, uh, you you want to think about. You uh you you don't want to quite overexpose, but you certainly want to you know, put plenty of exposure into the daytime shot. You want to you if you were going to fixed expose, you want to probably make it, you know the the somewhere in the middle in terms of the ambient light you're trying to capture, and then the dark one wants to be dark. But you could bracket a couple of stops either side of that, and and with a film that's got good um uh, that that's got good latitude in if you took each of the th- each of three shots three times with different exposures you probably have more than enough information on your film when you get it back to 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 build something that actually works gotcha good good thoughts um what about you dave you just give me another idea for a series but anyway <laughs> <laughs> it was, like it, was, it would be interesting to do one where the first shot is pure white or zone X or 10 or whatever, if you will. Zone, yeah, yeah. Zone, and then the oh, last wow. shot is uh, zone um, zero, meaning pure black. And you actually just keep metering till the light goes down one stop and you keep shooting till it's black. Um, and you actually purposely wait with your meter and never change your camera settings. That's really I so like there's that. There's one really well exposed photo in the middle of the series, and then you have the gamut, and you have one photo that's actually just a white, you know, a white print, and one image that's a pure black print. Oh, that's a really cool idea. I like that. I think it'd be cool, and you just sort of sit there and sit with your meter, and then once the light has effectively dropped a stop, take another image. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I like that. That's a good idea. That idea. <laughs> So in so in setting up, you'd have to you'd you'd have to take a meter reading and then mm-hmm. put it say four stops overexposed. Then and it come, when the light comes down a stop or goes up a stop, of course, because if you are yeah. doing you might you might choose to do this at sunrise. The other way, yeah. Um, uh, rather than sunset. I'm a night person. You can tell from my yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, totally. Um, but the so but whichever way it is you're traveling, you'd need to. It, it, let's say you imagine you're going to have nine images um then you need to ex- then then you your fifth one is the one you want to be properly exposed isn't it so you're going to have four the wrong way so you need to take a, an exposure and and then uh then adjust it by four stops and then then go through the whole gamut of nine different stops wow okay yeah nice idea yeah like that <laughs> Yeah, I think, it, but that's more of a thing that would be interesting to exhibit, right, in a room where you actually see, you know, a purely black, you know, image and a white image and everything in between. Yeah, yeah. and were you imagining you'd do that um, of a single subject or or, or still yeah. on a sort of panoramic view? No, I was thinking that of a single subject, but the panoramic view might be actually really cool, where you turn to to yeah, be the next like uh the next section of the vista and you wait for the stop change 
and then you do it. So then you sort of ease into it and you're well exposed in the center and you have a weird dark vignetting on one side and black vignetting, you know. I right think that would be really cool though. I think you'd yeah. want at least a 50 mil lens for that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Because if you, you, you wouldn't want a wide lens because no, you'd, be, no, no. You, you'd end up trying to do seven, 720. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, so, so you, yeah, let's say you want 120 degrees as your shot you want uh then you want a lens that's going to be no more than about uh, let, let me try and make the maths a bit simpler for the time of night and how tired i am so if you want nine shots uh you want yeah 120 degrees then would be something like 15 yeah. degrees per shot so so you'd yeah. want a lens that's quite tight maybe even an 85 or yeah, something, something like that tighter you probably yeah. want like a hundred mil lens to be safe yeah so you'd want to look at the lens spec and you'd want to know what is the angle of view on the vertical axis for that uh, axis for that lens so typically a 50 mil will give you a diagonal angle of view of about f- somewhere around 50 degrees um which means your your vertical angle of view is less than that, maybe 40 degrees. So you probably want, actually you might even want like a hundred or, or higher focal length, but so let's say minute, let's say use an 85 mil or, or, or longer. There you go. So, so if your instant camera thing doesn't work, then that that's the, that's the series you I, do. I've just remembered that I've just done a whole bunch of late night mental arithmetic with a mathematics professor. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's oh, like Graham shit. explaining flashes to you. It's crazy. I'm really sorry, Dave. Sorry. No, it's okay. I was like was pure I a, math, so I was, drew blobs on whiteboards. I didn't do arithmetic, so don't. Was worry. was I about right though? Yeah, I think so. Pretty yeah. crap with numbers, so don't worry. <laughs> You're more of a letters man, yeah. <laughs> I'm more of a I'm more of a, a blobs in space. If you saw my research, I drew blobs and danced around. It's more of a performance art. <laughs> um, that's good. I like it. So that that aside, there, which I do think sounds like a fantastic project. Oh yeah, uh, sorry. I, I hope yeah, it comes to it. Um, simple, simple concept that somebody could execute on uh, for this. That we, that we, you know, any quick, simple ideas that that anyone, even if somebody's gone, well, I've got no idea and no time. What's like the baseline idea? Like, just go and have a go at doing this, and anyone yeah. can do it. Shooting, like shooting night shots. Like, I think. Um, uh, like light painting is always a fun thing mm-hmm. that people can play with, and the rule of thumb, right? Your app, your your ambient uh, light is controlled by the aperture, and then the everything you know everything. Or sorry, the ambient light is your shutter speed, and then aperture is how bright what you're painting with is. And so it's it's actually easier than you think. Set to you know uh, f over twenty two to start, or f over sixteen, you know one of those, and have a go at it and. And play around. Um, and the other thing is, if you're shooting at night, don't be afraid to uh, go like you know a stop, two stops under what your meter says. Um, like, because the scene is supposed to be dark, so some people get stressed yeah. about that. But you're like, the scene's supposed to be dark; it's not supposed to be gray. Yeah, because yeah, so. your your meter or your camera will try to be metering for an average eighteen percent gray. Exactly. And and at night time, it's supposed to be darker than that. Exactly. So two stops isn't crazy. Um, even though it might feel like it. Yeah, great. I love the idea of doing some light painting. It's one of those things that uh, you see so much in digital photography. And I don't, um, with the exception of some of the work Tina Rowe has done with um, Pinhole, um, which is, yeah. you know, she's done some light. But other than that, you just don't really see it being done with analog. Because I guess, you know, 
it's one of those things that the reason it's so popular with digital is because every shot's free and you can see instantly whether it was a success mm-hmm. or a failure. But um, yeah, I would love to see more of that done with analog. Let's, yeah, great. Everybody, somebody have a go doing that as well. Uh, I love it. Yeah, someone light paint the sun in the night sky and then call that your day and tonight. Oh, sort of. Yes, that. A child's drawing of a sun in the night sky. I would. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> job done. Maybe an, a child drawing of a tree next to it just for good measure. Yeah, and a house with a chimney with smoke coming out of it. Yeah, <laughs> this oh, is getting absolutely. more elaborate. Draw quickly. But um, yeah, I really like that idea. I would love to see that. Good okay, stuff. we could we, you, good stuff. We should probably wrap this up, and I think we should probably <laughs> wrap this up with a promo piece for for somebody that shot a film in the dark. <laughs> anybody know anybody? Do you do any uh, light painting of any sort in there? Yeah, it's sort of like light painting with a flash. <laughs> Can you light paint with a flash? Yeah, I've done. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. That's what you've there done, you isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, find so, find uh, tanky make one shot wherever good social media handles can be found. I guess. <laughs> Yep. And uh, when's the when's the when's the world premiere? Uh that is uh November seventh. Is it the seventh? I don't should know this. I think I think you it sounds like this. Well, think... let me go to inchindown.com. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure actually what what that date I made the, and manage. I'm not sure what date the premiere is because I'm coming to the second so, showing. So. Oh, okay. Um, well, so there's a premiere screening at Inverness, um, November sixth. Oh, that's 6th. and then you're doing a yeah. photo walk actually in the um, tunnels themselves that's... on the seventh, aren't you? Yeah, we were talking about doing that if uh, if we get enough interest, and then we do um, a showing December seventh. Yeah, at, that's the one I'm coming to. Yeah, that's at the kiln. Yeah, well, I'll be there, and I'll be there too. So I'll be with uh, Aiden Graham. Uh, so everyone, look forward to something and uh and then after that on the 8th december 8th we're showing at the royal photographic society are you whereabouts (laughs) you might well give the city that might be helpful in bristol sorry in bristol thank you 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 stink at promoting this you really do (laughs) yeah yeah um uh and then here's the plan a little update now that we're almost like two hours in um but uh so if we don't find distribution by December 15th, I'm just going to call it and I'm going to make it available as video on demand. Uh, we're going to make it available as video on demand on Vimeo and through Amazon and maybe iTunes as well. Mm-hmm. If um, I can placate the Apple gods who are very ornery with everyone. So that's all right. OK, well, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing it um, on December the 7th. That's at the kiln in Worcester, Worcester in, yeah. in England. Yeah. yeah. Um, where the source comes from for anybody that likes to drink cocktails. Uh, and uh, there literally is actually a big brick factory where they make it. But <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, yeah, there was when I was a kid anyway, because my dad grew up not far from there. Uh, there. There was an actual sort of Victorian red brick factory where they made Worcester sauce. But but it may not In be America, there anymore. It's it, called Worcestershire sauce. So. Oh yeah, probably. Yes. W- Worcester is the name of the town or, yeah. uh, and, and Worcestershire is the name of the county, of course. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> with all of that said, <laughs> <laughs> and thank goodness it was, <laughs> we have anyway, been, this, we this have been the sunny 16. Yes, hope. absolutely. Yes. I hope so. Uh, as long as it's in a glass mixed in with some tomato juice and some vodka and a stick of celery. <laughs> 
uh anyway we have been the sunny 16 podcast um dave have you had it's been great to talk to you have you had fun yeah always Thanks, excellent dude. graham have you had fun oh i mean beyond beyond belief <laughs> and are you inspired and energized i i am i am i'm actually um this evening has like i said a purely selfish thing but i am now feel like i'm going into this weekend with an actual plan and um, i'm quite excited to see the results which is always a good way to go into a project um so yeah i'm, I'm feeling real good about that and, and i hope that maybe uh, a few other people have been inspired by what we've talked about this evening as well fingers crossed cool in, in which case then let's close the show before it's too late and all of that energy <laughs> escapes somewhere <laughs> We have been the Sunny 16 podcast. You can get in touch with us on the internet because because that's a thing these days. Um, and we have our own website, sunny16podcast.com. Uh, you can email Graham at sunny16podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and you can find us on social networks where our extended family of, of participants really helps us look like we're a lot bigger than we really are. <laughs> <laughs> if however you would like to help us get bigger than we really are today uh yeah you could go to coffee.com slash sunny 16 podcast and you could uh, buy us a cup of coffee or tea or beverage of your choice um thank you ever so much to the listeners who do that uh who have done that in the past as a one-off or, and and or, or who and or who do uh regular monthly contributions to keep us afloat um it really is so much appreciated and it enables us to do things that you know we just couldn't do otherwise uh so thank you thank you thank you um that's it uh we will play you out now um actually with some with actually graham's doing the edit this week graham are you gonna what music are you gonna use oh it'll be it'll be classic roger okay we will play you out now with rachel's band rocker uh, whose album promises i should have kept you can get on itunes spotify amazon uh Bandcamp. uh those are the ones i can i i know there's probably others as well but that'll do, that that'll get you started um yeah as always it has been an honor and a privilege to talk to you all we'll be back next week uh, goodbye bye, bye. bye.